Start your day the right way by taking charge of your physical and mental fitness. It's important to know your numbers. They determine if your blood pressure is high or low, your cholesterol balance, even your blood sugar level, heart rate, and much more. Get tested by visiting your doctor, clinic, or stop by at any health center closest to you. Take control today. This message is from Doctors On Air with Dr. Pamela. This is Doctors On Air with Dr. Pamela. Good morning. Today we're going to talk about mental health as a universal human right, which is the theme of this year's World Mental Health Day. We're talking about mental health as a universal human right. But before we do that, and we go into sort of clearing the air, uh, what are the misconceptions, any myths, just clear the air about what is mental health and what it isn't before we do that. Dr. Perry, would you like to go first? Well, yes. Thank you very much uh, for having us and for having me as well. A good place to start is to even start from that definition of what mental health is and what it is not. And so usually when people hear the word mental, they are they're thinking, wow, Yaba left. Aru. Aru. Uh, the disheveled <laughs> man or weary. woman, you know, on the streets. Yeah. Exactly, weary. Skoin, skoin, asinwi, you know, Maokachi, negative connotations that come... <laughs> Yeah, that come with, with those kind of words. And so they usually don't think that it's a state of completion, which it actually is. And so one of the first, you know, misconceptions is that the, the word itself, the, the two words together is not seen as the same by everyone. So one, it is misconstrued. Number two is the fact that different people at different times, you know, would not have a definitive description of what mental health is. And so usually... The response when you ask a crowd, do you have mental health? You see everyone puts their hands down and then everyone starts to look around like every anyone thing that I and then <laughs> when a few hands start going up, you see the you see the group effect, like, well, if uh, if the MD can say that they have mental health, perhaps I have mental health as well. And so, you know, the biggest misconceptions come with the definition of the terms. Um, what people think it is and what people think it is not. Whether people think that they have it and whether people think that they don't have it. Of course, uh, you know, the perception of what mental health is, um, considering our, you know, our thoughts on our religion, our culture, how our culture looks at it, how our culture views certain things is also one of the, you know, many misconceptions. Some people often think that, um, I mean, for instance, in our line of work, and I'm sure that Dr. Abdul Malik even would agree, that even some of our colleagues look at us and they tell us, oh, you're a psychiatrist. In a few years, we know that you will be like one of your patients. And so, you know, there are misconceptions everywhere. And that's why the fact that, you know, we feel like we keep talking to this topic, there's still a lot to be cleared. I think that, you know, those are some of the few things I would want to um, whet our appetite with as I speak about some of the misconceptions on what mental health is and is not. Thank you. Right. Uh, thank you very much. Good morning and thank you for having me and having us. And I will just even take us a step back to say that let's remember that the definition of health according to the World Health Organization, the WHO, is a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being, not just the absence of disease or infirmity. And what this definition essentially means is that health stands on 
three legs. One leg is physical health. The other leg is mental health. And the third leg is social well-being. So if you look at it from this perspective, we can't talk about being healthy if we are neglecting one third of health as defined by the WHO, right? So most people say, oh, I'm going for my medicals. But what they mean is I'm going for my physicals, right? You get a new job and they say, go for medicals. What they mean is go for chest X-ray, do your genotype and so on. Blood test. Red blood test and all of that. Nobody talks about going for a mental health check or checking your social well-being. But we know that these three components are very closely interwoven and they influence and interact with each other. They are not mutually exclusive. They are not separate things. If I have a diagnosis of cancer today, I'm not going to go and do Thanksgiving to celebrate that I have a diagnosis of cancer. I'm more likely to be upset, be worried, be anxious, be depressed, and that will immediately be the mental health ramification of my physical diagnosis of cancer. Likewise, if I have social issues, difficulties with my marriage, bullying in my workplace, these are social issues, financial worries. But those social issues can impact on my physical well-being and I become hypertensive and affect my mental well-being and I become depressed or anxious and so on. So we need to appreciate that when we are talking about mental health, it is an integral component of being healthy and that the three components of health affect and influence one another. They are not separate items. That will be my contribution to the opening statements. Thank you. I think what you've said is very helpful, both of you. Because when people say mental, they say, ah, that man's mental, you know? Or they say, you know, so so the issue of, of mental health. You mentioned a very interesting concept, um, Dr. Abir. You said, you know, people don't go for their mental health checkup. Is there such a thing? Can people go for a mental health check? What is it? What do you mean by that? Did you explain? So usually a mental health check uh, is often something that people don't get done until something gets loose. And something gets loose in this context is we see a behavioral problem. However, are there certain, you know, um, questionnaires? Are there certain um, tests that individuals can do? Definitely, yes. And so when Dr. Abdul Malik was speaking, and he spoke to this, actually, he had spoken about how it is that when people go for pre-employment tests, the major thing that is focused on is, you know, the physical health and the physical well-being. But they're actually pre-employment assessments that where you can have, you know, psychologically based tests that check, for instance, an individual's personality, an individual's coping styles, an individual's, you know, ability to work under pressure, under stress. You may even want to check, you know, for instance, using one of the um, questionnaires known as the general health questionnaire to find out, how, um, you know, this individual state of mind. Is this individual stressed? Is this individual anxious? Is this individual depressed? What is this individual, you know, dealing or battling with? And how is it that they have gotten help in the past? Interestingly, you may even be able to check things like assertiveness. How well is this individual grounded? Can they say no, you know, without feeling... Um, like, you know, they feel obliged to continue to work. Can they set boundaries? Sometimes you may even check things like self-esteem. And check self-esteem. You can check personality. There are a barrage of, you know, investigations that can be done in the pre-employment. you know employment. And many times this pre-employment test can even give you an idea of where to put individuals 
you know, this individual will be able to work under pressure based on the tests that we've done. This individual may be able to, you know, um, work with others. This individual is likely to be able to work alone. So for instance, if you check the personality and the individual is likely to be introverted, you know that it's either you're trying to, you know, make them work better with other people or you're trying to see how best it is that they can function alone but also contribute to the organization. So yes, there are tests that can be pre- there are also tests that can check people when they're struggling with a mental health challenge, which, you know, um, supervisors can pick up, managers can pick up, especially when the individual starts to struggle with activity, effective, you know, and efficiency at the workplace. And of course, when the individual, you know, comes down with a major mental health condition, again, there are investigations such as, you know, you can sit down and have a full-on assessment. You can make a diagnosis. You can also use tools, you know, um, our line of work is not one that does a lot of investigations. And so a lot of the things that we do are more of taking a detailed history, having a conversation, observing the behavior and, you know, pretty much getting into the mind of the individual. So, yes, we do have uh, a barrage of tests that we can do, depending on what it is that we're looking out for. That's key. Dr. Abdul Malik. Um, thank you very much. So pretty much what uh, Dr. Abiri has said and um, Especially, we need to appreciate that you can have emotional assessment, emotional wellness assessment routinely, just the same way you can say, I want to have my medical checkup. For instance, it's very helpful to understand your own personality. What are my strengths? What are my defense? What is my instinctive disposition to handling situations? You know, so even understanding yourself better from a personality assessment is a very strong resource in your car to help you function and be more productive and to improve your interpersonal relationship both within your private and family life as well as in your occupational interactions with people in the workplace. So these are very helpful. We just need to move beyond the stigma of uh, why would you say I should go and do emotional use? What are you trying to imply? Are you saying I'm mad? Are you saying, you know, so we need to move beyond that point of the stigma to be able to com be comfortable to say, I want to go and see my therapist, I want to go and see my shrink, my psychiatrist and have a conversation. We need to normalize that. And I think it's that the way we need to go. Absolutely key. I mean, the issues, the stigma around mental health are such that even people with mental health problems don't want to seek help. How do we get over this? Because we need to address this thing head on. We need to let people know exactly what you said. We have a mental part to us and we have to keep it healthy. So how do we, you know, what kind of steps can we take to overcome the stigma? Okay. So we need to firstly appreciate that there is a lot of ignorance, that the stigma stems from ignorance. And we tend to be afraid of that which we do not understand. And I'll give very common examples. When we didn't understand genotype and sickle cell disease, we were talking of Biku or Banje, you know, and saying, oh, these are evil spirit children that are coming to torment their parents. They'll be born, they'll be very sickly, then they'll die, then they'll be reborn again. You know, because we didn't understand what was responsible for the illness and the frequent illness of the children and the fact that they were dying. But now that we understand genotype and people are doing pre-marriage, you know, 
testing and so on gradually the stigmatization associated with ah don't marry into that family or they have a banji don't marry into this family they have a biku is gradually dying off and nobody is talking about this anymore so we need to get to a situation where there is better understanding around mental illness mental health and no more shame and stigma there was a time in this country when we were killing twins as evil children before certain lesser that is ignorance at play nobody does that anymore so i think the biggest way to overcome the stigma of mental illness is to create awareness like we are doing on this program which is fantastic that this program is one of the platforms that have consistently focused the spotlight on mental health and kudos to uh, dr pamela and the crew and we are very happy to always uh, have the opportunity to also join you thank you Thank you very much. You're listening to Doctors on Air with Dr. Pamela. So, Papiri, what are your thoughts? Right. Thank you very much. So, I mean, in, in addition to what uh, Dr. Bimolika said, education, information, awareness and advocacy has to be, you know, um, some of the greatest tools that we have against mental health stigma. Um we need to know and all of us need to know even those of us who think that we know need to continue to improve on the education that we have we don't know it all um the more we know the better we do and the better we become with the knowledge that we have i think that one thing that is also beginning to help us with the stigma you know a few years ago i had thought about starting a conversation where people with mental health concerns or conditions would come but may not have their faces revealed but what we find these days is that they're actually you know taking the bull by the horn and saying that i really don't mind i have this condition i'm going through this condition and i want to talk about it so we're also having user groups come to share their experiences and this is you know encouraging other people um the fact that you know mental health professionals and other you know physical health professionals also talk about mental health issues is also you know giving a lot more light and attention to mental health So I think that again we cannot talk about mental health issues enough. The more we talk about it, the more people get informed and like I always say when it comes to mental health, you know, stigma and how it is that we can dispel it. We need to change the conversation, to change the culture. The culture has been one of silence for the longest time, but the more we get people to talk about it, the more informed and aware people become, the more hopeful we are that they will continue to advocate for mental health at all levels. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So talking about now mental health as universal human right Professor Abdul Malik what do you think how do you think i mean it wasn't a right before there, there have been so many abuses can you tell us a bit about it it's um a shame that the abuses of persons with mental illness and their families unfortunately remains an ongoing concern not just in Nigeria but globally especially in low and middle income countries indeed um human rights watch of new york in 2019 um generated a report on the state of mental health uh, services in nigeria and they did a similar one in ghana a few years uh, prior i think that was 2015 and what you tend to see is an offshoot of the stigma and ignorance that when people or fam- their family members are affected they don't think of the hospital and it's unfortunate that this narrative is being pushed by our popular uh, nollywood movies 
where someone has a mental illness and they say, oh, uh, maybe a belly says that Dr. Abdumalik that talks too much on the program, send something to me, blow something, and that thing flies and lands on me, and suddenly I start undressing, and that's the beginning of my mental illness. Unfortunately, those kind of narratives, they take it a step further. If my family then takes me to Dr. Abiri's hospital or to Dr. Pamela's hospital, either the doctor or your nurses will tell my family members that you've done all the tests and you did not see anything. You know, LFSA later, you know what that means? Don't you have elders in your family? So if they then take me to a traditional healer or a faith-based healer, I will get well. But doctors and nurses will say, we've done all the tests, we did not see anything. And that is very unfortunate because it perpetuates the belief that mental illness is not a medical condition. You're wasting your time if you go to hospital. You should rather seek for alternative care. Unfortunately, again, in these places where they go for alternative care, there are no regulations. There are no professional ethics. There are no guidelines. Nobody certifies anybody and gives them training or certification to say you can now open a, a faith-based healing house. And many of these places, they are changed. Dr. Abdul's um, report, in any government hospital, you will see people brought in chains with injuries, sores, and you start treating with antibiotics so they don't have septicemia, generalized infection of the body. You see people beaten with wheels on their back. Some have been sexually abused in those places, deprived of food and water. The state is pathetic, right? The mm. state of human rights abuse of persons with mental illness, children with autism, taken away from school, taken to the village and abandoned with grandma and grandpa so that they don't embarrass them in their social settings. Elderly women with depression or dementia, beaten to death in present-day Nigeria, accused of witchcraft. So the stories are really gory and heart-wrenching. And these are some of the reasons why we can't simply just fold our arms and continue to look the other way. And that's why the WHO has chosen the team of mental health as a universal human right as the team for this year's World Mental Health Day. We have to speak up. Dr. Piri. Thank you, Dr. Abdul-Malik, for highlighting all of that. You know, um, yesterday I was in a session with a patient and um, this patient is one who has a chronic mental health condition. I, I recall that when I wanted to take on this case and I told the relatives I will work with an occupational therapist, I would work with a carer. You know, the sister was looking at me and saying, what exactly are you saying, doc? Even when we took her to Australia, nobody was talking about this, you know, multidisciplinary team. And so they were so content with just giving this patient medication. The patient had been medicated for so many years and was clearly not making any progress. However, with a two-week intervention with an occupational therapist and a carer, I was shown a video where I watched my patients dance. It was so emotional for me. Again, you know, beyond the faithers. Beyond the Oreo case, the different places where people are taken to, sometimes even relatives do not know mm. that they are actually, you know, clamping down on the rights of their own family members. And again, you know, the conversation by the WHO to ensure that people, regardless of who they are, where they are, where they're from, 
can be exposed or have rights to the highest attainable standard of mental health is extremely important. I think that if the conversation and if we start to look at the conversation that this thing can happen to me, it can happen to you, it can happen to anyone, it can happen to anyone regardless of age, gender, socioeconomic status, tribe, religion, or even race, perhaps we will, you know, give it the attention that it very, you know, well deserves. The attention, of course, is that we want them to be protected from mental health risk. Dr. Malik was talking about, you know, patients being in places and being raped. I have heard many stories. This, of course, will go on to scar the patients more. They deserve a right to available, accessible, acceptable, and good quality care. And they also deserve the right to liberty, independence, and inclusion in the community. It's not too much to ask. It's a basic human right. And I'm particularly happy, and we are particularly happy, that, you know, this World Mental Health Day, WHO has decided to let everyone know that these people deserve attention. These people, again, they're people like you and I. And, the you know, the earlier we realize that, the better it will be because hopefully it would help us change our focus on how it is that we give mental health issues attention. Thank you. Well, I, thank you. I think that we, what you're saying, we all have to really take a step back and say, how are we treating? And, and I also think what is important is everybody acknowledges that mental health issues affect everyone in their families. There's no family without it. So this right. one of this one has mental health in their family, and that one doesn't have. Everybody has it. Affects, uh, it affects everybody across class, across. Anyway, unfortunately, we're running you know, out of time. Dr. Abiri, are there any last words for our listeners? Well, I think that uh, I'd like to, you know, end with uh, two quotes. One by Glenn Close that says that what mental health needs is more sunlight, more candor, and more unashamed conversations about an issue that affects not just patients, but the families as well. The second quote is one by Professor Vikram Patel that says that mental health is too serious to be left to the professionals alone, and mental health is everyone's business. And of course, we must remember that there is indeed no health without mental health. Um, Dr. Abdul Malik, I know um, some events with, with the Asilo Foundation. Can you tell us about them so people can join in? Right. About thank, mental health thank you very much. Foundation is a not-for-profit charity that promotes awareness and information around mental uh, health across the country. And there are a few activities scheduled to commemorate the World Mental Health Day. And it, this will be taking place in Lagos, in Abuja, in Ibadan, and in Meduguri. And we, we encourage everyone who is interested in volunteering to please follow ACIDO Foundation on social media handles at ASIDO Foundation, ACIDO Foundation, and indicate your willingness to join this awareness campaign if you live in these cities. Thank you. Thank you very much. Start your day the right way by taking charge of your physical and mental fitness. It's important to know your numbers. They determine if your blood pressure is high or low, your cholesterol balance, even your blood sugar level, heart rate, and much more. Get tested by visiting your doctor, clinic, or stop by at any health center closest to you. Take control today. This message is from Doctors On Air with Dr. Pamela. Doctors On Air with Dr. Pamela.